I I I just want to isn't it I, I just want to talk about how cool it is the things that we can do isn't it cool don't you think I, you know I the things suppose, that we can sure the things that we can do I mean you know when you think that uh you know not too long ago at all we were you know curing trying to cure diseases with mercury and you know hitting fucking rocks with bones and in a, in a, in, a, in no time at all so cool in no time at all we've gone to like rockets and mm. space and manned flight and things like missiles and in medicine and aeronautics we are so great and cool at that sort of thing isn't it how you know, we can make things launch and land and go whoosh and bang. It's cool. It's really, really cool. Good job, humans. Woo! Isn't it great? Isn't it great how advanced we've become and how good at this kind of stuff and how there are so many ways that we can go fast mm. and we can go high up and, uh, you know, we can cure things. It's just fantastic. It doesn't uh... matter. Isn't it fantastic how loud it is? It is. I just though? feel like, I just feel like... This is going somewhere, and you're about to to tell me that this is not it's not actually that cool. Well, I uh, <laughs> I am going to tell you some things, right? Mm. But just as I'm talking about these things, just think how cool it is that that, that we've got these amazing <laughs> fucking things that we can build. Yeah, just and keep use that in metals, the back of the mind. Yeah, sure. And propulsive liquids and mm. nitric. Fucking nitrogen fuels, high octane, explosy liquid. Isn't it great how we've got all that stuff? Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and that's a very scientific description, too. Well, you're going to hear more of them. I mean, you know, Ooh, if we talk about things like space exploration and aeronautics and fucking, you know, defense and war <laughs> materials. So cool. So mm. does it? matter do you think where discovery comes from does it matter mm. the lineage of discovery does it make a difference do you think to the the value or the worth mm. of what we make with that knowledge that's a complicated question right Isn't there it? here's how and you know obviously you're going to get into this further but let me out the gate just how I sort of tend to think about this yeah. is that oftentimes we tend to think that the path that we traveled to get a technology, make some sort of progress, was inevitable. And therefore, if that thing hadn't happened, then we would not have Someone. this. Uh, yes. However, yes. when it really comes down to it, in many cases, we still would have gotten there. And yes. someone would have come up with it. Usually there's many people racing towards inventing a thing. Well, uh, what is that old adage? Inevitable. There is nothing more powerful than an idea whose time has come. I don't know who, uh, I don't know where that comes from. Probably Anthony Hopkins, I would say, or, or Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln, maybe. I'm pretty sure it's one of those three. They had <laughs> yes, a lot to definitely. say about a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Mark Twain. Um, Mark Twain. <laughs> That's the guy. It fucking bugs me, man, how often so many fucking shit fortune cookie bollocks quotes are attributed to anthony hopkins who the fuck cares what anthony yeah, hopkins did, did or didn't say uh, listen yeah. i care a lot i think anthony hopkins is a, a delight and he should just he should be constantly telling us oh, how to live listen, our lives 
But I'm certain he is, but he's a fucking he's still an actor. I don't hear anyone I don't see anyone misattributing fucking inspirational quotes to fucking Dolph Lundgren. You know what I mean? <laughs> he's a fucking he gives a shit. He's a fucking actor. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Go you know on. I mean? Anyway, look, look, look. Hmm. If I learn something from someone, does it matter if the person I learned it from was a shithead? If I then know it myself, and I'm not a shithead. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Let's think on this because I want to talk about, and and this is one of those occasions where my original uh, topic for this week's episode of the award-winning, world-fucking-conquering podcast, Jack of All Graves, you fucks. I was originally going to talk about something completely different. I was originally mm. going to talk about um, Russian experiments to see whether animals are psychic, right? <laughs> They're not. <laughs> Whoa, uh, okay, spoilers. They aren't. They aren't. Um, but I, I, during reading about that, I, I came across something called Operation Paperclip, and mm. I went so far down the rabbit hole, and I had to fucking do a complete 180 and talk about that instead. I mean, I, I believe it's a, it's 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 something you know of, yes. Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. Well, if dear listeners like me about four hours ago you've never heard those two words together before operation paperclip allow me to fill you in because what operation paperclip was was a covert program run by the united states in uh, the 1940s and 50s following world war ii okay and if you can get your fucking head around this what operation paperclip was was a program of recruitment whereby German scientists, technicians, <clears throat> engineers, and by German, I mean Nazis. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah? Let's not fucking, let's get off that particular fence. Right. We're talking Nazi fucking scientists were brought, and not just a few of them either, we're talking over 1,600 fucking Nazi doctors and scientists were brought from Nazi Germany to the U.S., and employed by the United States government. If you can believe that shit. Even it's, saying that out loud sounds fucked. It sounds insane. And it's one of those, like, you know, coming from this place of, like, incredulity, like, can you believe it? Like, because of the things that we talk about and because, you know, I was a professor of American history and things like that, of course I can believe this shit because mm. there's constantly something horrendous that we're doing you know, yeah. in our history it's constant but it is incredible it's, that it's, this happened you 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 know you see why i had to fucking yeah. talk about this it's incredible to me that this happened um just a little bit more about the history of this right we can go back to 1945 on this uh when uh the something called the supreme headquarters allied expeditionary force right s-h-a-e-f and i hate that acronym because they could have easily just called it shaft with just a little bit of digging. <laughs> it could have been like the Supreme Headquarters Allied Force of Technology. Oh, there you, you know, go. The, Bam, the just shaft like that. team. Easy, there easy. You go. Get Simple it together. It was right there. Mm -hmm. Well, um, those guys established something called the fucking T-Force, which was uh, later called the Special Sections Subdivision. And what these guys did was they identified potential targets among German scientists and German facilities, focusing on things like... Um, rocketry 
advanced weaponries, synthetic materials, rubbers, and so on. And um, as the Allies advanced <laughs> on occupied German territory, a, a, a dedicated unit known as the fucking the Enemy Personnel Exploitation Section was formed. <laughs> okay. I'll say those words again. Yeah. <laughs> enemy Personnel Exploitation Section. Right. The the intent is writ large, even in the fucking name they give themselves. No, nothing covert about this at all. <laughs> they called themselves Enemy Personnel Exploitation. Uh, a team which was formed to manage and interrogate captured German scientists. Sure. Let that fucking, let that land, let that bed in. Mm. We've beaten the Nazis, or we're on the brink of of turning the course of world history. Uh, <laughs> now, hold on. <laughs> I mean, that absolutely is what, like, when you think about this happening right like and and obviously you're going to talk more about it but just this part mm. out the gate thinking about the fact that someone had to pitch this uh -huh. right like what if hear me yep. out <laughs> we brought a bunch of these assholes over here and had them it. work for us like hired them not as like captives prisoners anything like that yeah. we hired them to work for us yep. over here where yep. Like, we're, there's going to be a bunch of them that we, like, put on trial for war, war crimes and stuff like that. But not these ones. Not these no, no, ones. No, 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 no. Not the ones we can and exploit. Then this room full of people as, like, you know what? That sounds great. That's a really good idea. Let's do that. Like, what? It's, it's, it's mind-blowing to me that this isn't, like... If it is common knowledge, it's, uh, well, all right, it, it, it isn't common knowledge for me, but not a lot of things are. <laughs> but it's it's incredible that this is something that 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 that, that isn't spoken about more widely. Right. Um, so uh, the program it was just right out the gate, all about bolstering and aiding post-war military research, and with a view to even potentially shortening the Japanese conflict. All right, it got that name, Operation Paperclip, in November 40, 1945. And uh, by the by the end of the 40s, they had over a thousand German scientists in U.S. custody. It was President fucking Truman who approved the operation in 1946. Um, and uh, it was all about utilizing their expertise for American advancements. <sighs> just wild, just absolutely wild shit. Right. So captured German specialists. These were these guys were detained and interrogated but then many many times resettled in the states uh the do you know immigration... how they... <laughs> sorry do you know how they like picked which guys they brought over like how did how did they find them were they like these guys seem to be behind yeah. the biggest of the war crimes here yeah. like let's get those dudes over here well a lot of it was based on the kinds of things that they were working on whilst mm. nazis right mm -hmm. uh yes, one of the most prominent of that that huge tranche of people was a guy by the name of Dr. Werner von Braun. Yes. Okay. Uh, he was a renowned uh, aerospace engineer known for his, his pioneering work in rocket technology. He's the guy who invented or helped to invent the V-2 missile. Okay. Hmm. Have you heard of that particular missile, the V-2 missile? I think only in the context of like specifically this story. <laughs> Uh, do you know what the V stands for? No, I don't. 
Vengeance. Oh. The mm. Vengeance Weapon 2. That's the V2 missile, mate. That's what it's fucking called. The Vengeance 2. Don't like 2. that. Don't Isn't it like great? It. Um, let's talk a little bit about Werner von Braun, okay? Um, he was used by Nazi Germany to help bombard Allied cities. His work led to significant destruction, significant loss of life. Uh, he was perfectly well aware and... Uh, depending on who you talk to, potentially involved in the use of forced labor from concentration camps, um, particularly at a facility in Mittelwerk, where the Vengeance 2 rockets were manufactured. He knew all about concentration camps. He knew all about forced labor. He knew all about the Holocaust. Mm. Um, yeah, this is, you know, there's that degree and... and you know, I never buy into this either, but, like, the idea that people do the, like, oh, they were just following orders or whatever. Like, oh, what yeah, are you going to yeah, do yeah, if yeah, you're yeah, a scientist yeah, in Nazi yeah, Germany? Yeah. They're going to conscript well, you and you're going to do this. And it's, like, people bullshit. like this, you know, people like Mengele, all these kinds of people. It's, like, no, they knew. They were they knew, on of course board. They knew. Like, you know, they to totally fine with all of this. Yep. Von Braun himself claimed, uh, oh, he was unaware of the extent of the brutality. <laughs> within the camps you know what i mean oh yeah, I, yeah. right i didn't yeah. know it was that bad like he somehow had people like working on his things but he'd never gone in nope. <laughs> never I visited was, saw what things were I'm like aware of how the rockets were manufactured <laughs> how he talks <laughs> i imagine or yeah talked. it sounds right uh now um I, I mean it goes on right let's talk about another one of the key figures here dr hubertus strughold right okay even fucking worse, this guy. This guy thrived under the Nazi regime, right? He was the director of aeromedical research in Berlin uh, all the way up to 1945. He oversaw... Fucking hell. He oversaw <laughs> experiments on living human subjects to study things like high-altitude effect on pilots. Um, uh, you know, uh, human subjects like prisoners of war. Uh, he was involved. He was literally fucking directly involved in human experimentation. He condoned it, you know? He learned from it. He personally ran experiments where subjects were exposed to extreme conditions, often ending in loss of life. Uh, he was connected to, you know, just like Von Braun, his experiments benefited from the use of forced labor. Mm -hmm. um, and hey, all good, because under Operation Paperclip, Hubertus Strughold was relocated to the States. He was allowed to continue his research into aerospace and medicine. And his work directly shaped the early days of NASA's space program. It's so crazy. And this, okay, to go to your to go to your original question here, right? Mm. Um, like this is a perfect example of what I was just saying. So the technology existed. Right. That like or, you know, he was doing the research or whatever that would lead to the technology that then uh, was so important in the NASA yes. aerospace program. Yes. But as such, that means that already the process of developing this kind of, of technology was in place. You mm. didn't need him. <laughs> that was no, not exactly, necessary. exactly, you could exactly. Pioneer the exact same thing without yes. the guy yep. and have the guy be punished. Yeah. For yep. the war crimes that he did and just, you know, build off was, of knowledge that was already there. Was no one in the States doing any of this shit? Right. Yeah. Like we were just like, whoa, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's really damning. And like not a single American was thinking rockets? about this. Right. Yeah. Like, and, and there's no way that's true. <laughs> you know, like we were absolutely 
yeah. studying these same kinds of things and, and the fact that like i mean we learn so much just simply from like like capturing something taking something from an enemy you know taking something apart yes. that an enemy yes. did you don't need the physical enemy to be well, able to do these not things. only do you not need the physical enemy you don't then need to go on to give them fucking medals um, Werner von Braun won the NASA, uh, the NASA Distinguished Service Medal. Uh, he won the Goddard Astronautics Award. He was awarded the Space Camp Hall of Fame, whatever the fuck that is. <laughs> Did people you know, what I'm know? Like that's that's my question because obviously, like we've determined, like mm. I don't think this is common knowledge unless you had like a really cool high school teacher who like was like, yeah. oh, by the way, uh, here's some question. shitty stuff that Americans did when Werner von Braun was getting awards and stuff like that. Because I know mm. I I had learned who Werner von Braun was in high school yes. for sure. Yes. I don't remember learning like also he was a Nazi. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and I'm curious, like, did people at the time, like, were they like, oh, yeah, I guess he was a Nazi, but look at what he's done for our country? Yep. Mm. I don't know if you know uh, that. I'm asking you a thing you may not have actually come across, but. No, I, I, I don't. I don't. I mean, one. Surely to fuck if that had been made public at the time, surely there would have been some kickback with that. You from, would think, like, that, they must have the had public. to rebrand the guy, right? Well, like... no, I mean, look, again, just looking back on my notes, Paperclip was covert. Right, of course, right. But, you know, but when he starts winning awards, like, that's mm. not covert at all. That's what's so, that is deeply interesting to me. And, like, part of me is, like, surely if people knew, knew they would have been upset. And then a part of me <laughs> thinks that, like, we are very good at when someone like innovates something or does something yeah. we find heroic just being like yeah it's compartmentalizing fine. we yes. shouldn't talk about that like yeah you know like hmm. yeah let's ignore this this part of it because oh think of the good that they did listen to to, to kind of to kind of put a a, a footnote of something even worse on the mm. end of this right okay uh you heard of unit 731 doesn't sound familiar the uh, Unit 731 was the, the, the Japanese fucking hardcore human experimenters, mad scientist, fucking awful, awful, grotesque fucking crimes uh, on live human subjects. They, they're the guys who, who uh, that film Men Behind the Sun was about. Um, I've never seen it. Oh, if you can find Men Behind the Sun, you should watch it. But you probably won't want to because it's fucking awful. Okay. Um, Unit 731 were completely... They had carte blanche to do the most appalling things to live human beings. Um, okay. Testing poisons, testing, you know, uh, extreme temperatures on people. Uh, and and even, even, even away from the live human experimentation side of things, there was a widespread kind of free culture of rape and torture, mutinating. And this was Japanese? It, Japanese, yes. Okay. What if I said that... Uh, oh, no. There were members of Unit 731 captured by the United States and secretly given immunity oh, in exchange. On. I'm fucking telling you, in exchange for the data <sighs> that was gathered during their human experiments. What? What if I said that? What if I said that the states helped to cover up the human experiments? Oh my god. And co-opted the researchers' bioweapons information and experience for use in their own biological warfare programs. Mark. What if I fucking told you that? Oh my god. 
That's that's horrendous. Isn't it fucked? And, and it's just, ooh, it's so... Uh, like, I feel like, say you were to tell this to a modern conservative, maybe yes. even some modern liberals, for that matter, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there would be so much excusing of this. Like, well, mm -hmm. you know, those experiments happened. You know, should we yeah. have that have well, all been in vain? Surely some good or... should have come from them. Well, right. What, yeah, what What good? What good? De developing your own biological fucking weapons. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's worked out really well for us that we all have nukes, we all have bioweapons, we all have all this mm. stuff. Everything is very stable uh, mm. as a result oh, it's of this. Talk <laughs> about stability. Very, very strong and stable government. Very strong. Yeah. Very strong. <laughs> Where's that uh, doomsday clock at right now? Like, yeah, really. You know, like, it's, really? I think this is, it's much like, you know, my thing about, like, the idea of people of their time, right? How I don't buy that as a thing at all, you know? Oh, yeah. so-and-so was a racist because oh, they're a person not, of their time. Not. You know, Christopher no, Columbus no, 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 couldn't no. have known any better. He was a person of his time, whatever. This, that's not real. That's not a real thing. People have always no. known better than to murder and kill and rape and, you know, all this kind of shit, you know? That's a thing. And yet we tend to ignore it for the contribution that, that this mm -hmm. kind of stuff has made, not recognizing that those things would have happened anyway. <laughs> you know, maybe not exactly the same, maybe not in the exact same time frame or things like that, but that we tend, nothing is ever happening just because one person is doing it. There right. is, you know, for lack of a better word, a collective conscious about this. Think about like, um, there's a book called Thunderstruck by Eric Larson mm -hmm. that talks about the de development of wireless telegraphy and nice. sort of the race to be the first to be able to accomplish that, which ultimately um, Marconi was the one who mm. was able to do. Uh, yeah. But there were so many other dudes at the same time who were like one day away from being the guy who accomplished wireless telegraphy. And that's how things tend to work, you know? Yes. And so this idea that like, okay, you know, well, we needed these Japanese rape and torture people, or we needed these Nazi, you know, killers to come over here and uh, show us how to do stuff is like simply wrong. Like, Bullshit. There, I'm sure there were people who escaped Nazi Germany who were prominent scientists who could have given us that information instead of taking uh -huh. it from the people who mm -hmm. murdered six million Jews and countless other uh, marginalized people. You know what I mean? Like, it just really gets, ooh, it gets my goat <laughs> to yep. think that so many things that, like, were developed yep. uh were off the backs of stuff like this and that so many people sort of knee-jerk would defend it as if that was the only way yep. that it could have happened. So again, again I ask, does the lineage of knowledge mm. matter? If you learn something from someone who learned it through doing fucking horrific, horrific things to get that knowledge, should that knowledge, do you then have the right to repurpose that knowledge and, uh, you know, give it a fresh lick of paint and go on to develop it, something for your own ends with that knowledge. I am kind of leaning towards, no, you don't. Especially not, don't pay them for it. Don't give yeah, them yeah, awards yeah, yeah. for it. If you're gonna, you know, make the best of a bad situation, fucking steal it. Yeah, steal it right. like it's Royal quite Rumble. Right. 
Which you is know? what I do with the WWE content. Exactly. Do you want to go just fucking plow we'll right into there. that? We'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. First, welcome to Jack of All Grades. That's our team tune, isn't it? It is. I'm glad you know no. we have one after all these years. Let me quote directly from my notes, if I may. Yes, please do. Fucking look at these nerds. Oh, mise en scène. Anyone has ever said me well said in such a horny way before. The way I whispered the word sex cannibal recently. Worst comes to worst, Mark. I'm willing to guillotine you for science. Thank you. That's really, really sweet. It's you cold know. outside, but my pancreas is talking to me. I'm fucking, <laughs> I'm gonna leg it. You know how I feel about that, Mark. I think you feel great about it. It's, uh, uh, hey, and we can actually say all these years now. We can. There have been so many years. All these years. And you know, Listen, all these years, on, mm. all these years, Mark, you've railed against the evils of world wrestling, world wrestling entertainment. entertainment. <laughs> yes, I have. Yes, I have. Uh, this is. I, I still, am. I am flabbergasted. I, to I need to. I continue I need, to do that. I need to get this out to everyone. You all have listened to this podcast, you know, for these yeah. many, many moons now, and and heard yeah. uh, Mark talk about how vehemently opposed to WWE he is. And so you'll yeah. be with me in my surprise the past several weeks in which you've expressed some um excitement about WWE things that are All right, occurring. So I absolutely the product is bland as fuck, right? Mm-hmm. Their business practices are fucking repugnant. <laughs> and worse than we even knew. If you haven't read about Vince McMahon this week, go ahead and yeah. give that a Google and be ready oh, listen, to just... I'm just talking about their business practices. <laughs> I'm just talking about how readily they sure, accept right. you know, Saudi fucking money. Yeah, you yeah, know? absolutely. I'm not even talking about the, the you know, rapidly emerging culture of abuse and fucking sexual degradation and... Sex trafficking. Yeah, all of that. I'm not even talking about any of that. Fucking sure, horrible. Yeah, just on its However, practices. my 10-year-old doesn't give a fuck about any of that. <laughs> right? My 10-year-old sure. enjoys the flashing lights and he enjoys the colors and the moves and the catchphrases. Naturally. You know what I mean? He, you know, he likes all of that stuff. So I get to partake of... Look, what I love is wrestling as a business, right? I love... Mm-hmm. Because there's nothing anywhere else like it that's even oh, yeah. fucking close. Nothing like it. And even even when not actively watching WWE, which I think it's a stretch to say I'm actively watching WWE. I'm not. I watch like two shows a year, Royal Rumble and WrestleMania. I still I still watch with fascination because they are well, not 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 so much anymore, but they are they are almost a monopoly, right? Right. And the effect that has, the impact that has on the business and those who come and go from WWE and the stories they have to tell, and you know, the the just the machinations of this fucked up company running what is a fucked up carny fucking business, which somehow is is a multi-billion dollar enterprise. Mm. It's 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 carny shit. <laughs> but it's but it's such a fucking huge, 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 uh, you know, enterprise. So now that my ten year old is into it, um, I kind of have to just watch a little bit with him. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but look, in my defense, unlike I'm not, you know, I'm not Operation Paperclip in it, man. I'm not. I'm, <laughs> nobody gets a pass. Right. Nobody gets a pass. They ain't getting a penny of my money. I steal everything I watch of WWE. They don't get a fucking red cent off me. 
Nice. Um, so yes, I gleefully, whether it's whatever kind of 0. 0.000000 of a cent they lose from me torrenting all of their content, I'm happy to do that. Uh, they they I they don't and will not get any of my cash. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And Owen knows this. Um, oh, does he? I was gonna like my. I was wondering. Oh, not yeah. that I'm saying to tell your kid terrible things, but like what Owen oh, would respond if he knew. He knows. He gets the context okay. from me, right? Okay. Um, uh, all through the Royal Rumble, he was saying, "Oh, what number's Brock going to be? When's Brock coming out?" I'm like, "Ah, <laughs> Brock ain't coming out." Uh, he's like, oh, why is that, Dad? Well, they've had to. They've had to kind of. I think they've rewritten a lot of this show because you know you don't see vince anymore that's because he's been exposed recently of having done some really really bad shit behind the scenes like abusive nasty shit to people so yeah he he knows he knows my mm. views and he he gets a kind of a diluted version of the truth from me yeah okay like he doesn't know exactly what's going on he, didn't <laughs> he know just that, kind that, of knows that like there's know, some bad people here vince had a three-way with a, with somebody <laughs> in his office no. who he shat on no, no, I think maybe ten's like a little too young. Give it a year or two before you start approaching. The, I'll tell yeah. him on his eleventh birthday. I'll whisper it to him as he's blowing up. Yeah. He's like, Vince shat on the girl and then carried on plowing her. That's what I'll say, just before he blows <laughs> out his candles. A uh, lot changed that day. <laughs> that was the day I became a man. <laughs> fucking hell interesting but you did watch See, the explain because I, I don't know i don't understand like what royal rumble is because i was watching like mm. wrestle sky obviously you know checking in seeing what people were saying about it enjoying the cm punk slander and whatnot um yeah. but you know people were talking about like they thought mjf was gonna show up and like the rock and like all these so, things and people from various promotions what is this <laughs> The Royal Rumble is my favorite WWE show of the year, right? Okay. Um, the format is that it's uh, two huge matches, one for the females and one for the males, where um, every wrestler is assigned a number at random before, mm -hmm. 1 to 30. Okay. And every 90 seconds, a new uh, sports entertainer enters the ring and you win by being the last person in that ring and you eliminate your opponents by throwing them over the top rope and both okay. their feet must touch the floor on the outside, right? So they they do like stuff kind of like that in AEW, right? I've seen this oh, yeah, conceit yeah, yeah, before. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Okay. Um, it used to be uh, up until, I want to say up until the early noise, it was uh, 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 three minutes between wrestlers coming in. Okay. So you have the countdown every three minutes and honk, or it might have been two minutes. That mm -hmm. was then shortened to 90 seconds because attention spans, you know? Of course, yeah. Um, And I, some of the classic 1990s Royal Rumbles, 92 sticks out as a banner year, 94, I think, was a banger. Um, You've got such a great opportunity within that match, which goes on for like an hour or more. Yeah, right. You've got so much opportunity to tell amazing stories during that hour. Um, You know, rivalries reignite and rivalries uh your know, stories are pushed forwards uh the, the the winner of each match then goes on to wrestlemania to have a, a, a match against the, the champion so that's that's the story it sets up the road to wrestlemania if you want to you know okay etc it sets that up nicely uh there's there's often each year there are often like surprise entrants so like somebody maybe you know like a nostalgia act from 10 years back will come in They'll have mm -hmm. a quick, you know, they'll have their little moment. They'll do a couple of spots and get thrown out and get a right. cheap pop off the crowd, you know. Mm -hmm. um, 
it's it's great it's re it's it's really unpredictable there's there's often really like i said the great thing about wrestling for me as much as the moves is the storytelling you can tell really really fucking fun stories yeah. and royal rumble is, is a really cool example of 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 when they do that well right mm. now this year <laughs> they didn't this year was a stinker uh yeah. the the women's match they would despite there being 40,000 people there right in the in, in the arena they held it in uh there were some moments it, you could hear a fucking pin drop man there was fucking a couple of a couple that's of entrances. that's unfortunate <laughs> yeah tell the crowd stone dead yikes uh you know there there were there were there were high points obviously there always are you can't have 30 fucking people coming in one after another every 90 seconds and not have some fun bits right but by and large, it it wasn't it wasn't a great year for the Royal Rumble. Uh, luckily, I didn't pay for it. Hey, you know? so there you go. Hey yes. So how does it like? But like an AEW wrestler could do Royal Rumble. Ah, right. So that's the thing. No, they fucking could not. Absolutely oh, okay. not. What they can't. What 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 a performer can't do is kind of if they're if they're contracted to a different fucking company take AEW for example okay. if i'm under contract for AEW, there's no chance i'm showing up at the royal rumble because it would be a crime okay <laughs> you know what i mean it would, right. it would be a criminal act yeah um, right it's it's the the royal rumble is a place where there's there's always so much speculation leading up to it because there's always there's more often than not surprise entrance right the, right. the fact, let's take Jordan Grace, for example, right? Who turned mm -hmm. up. Jordan Grace is, is under contract to TNA. I don't know if she's still signed or not. I don't know. But okay. um, obviously, the WWE have done some kind of deal with TNA to be able to mention her, the, you know, the, firstly, the name TNA on air. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, Grace was carrying her TNA belt. Okay. And they, they openly talked about her career in TNA, which they never, ever fucking do, right? Okay. Because mm -hmm. they're so... Because as a company, they're so obsessed right. with being the only game in town. Right. Yeah. We are the only fucking choice. We're the biggest. We're the best. We are the only choice. Historically, they will never even mention by name another wrestling company. <laughs> so the idea that uh, well, take take the final two in the men's rumble, right? CM Punk and Cody, right? Right. How the fuck do you not mention the fact <laughs> that they're both that... from AEW? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, a couple of times they mentioned if you told me two months ago that this was a uh, this would uh -huh. never happen, da, da, da. but they never went. Oh yeah, these two were in AEW up until fucking six weeks ago. They could never <laughs> right. mention that, and that's the only fucking that's the only kind of air quote sport where that happens. I mean, right. football mentions other football leagues all yeah. the fucking time, <laughs> right? You, know you don't I mean? just pretend the other ones don't exist. Yes, but because for you know forty odd years or more, WWE has been run by an emotionally stunted, megalomaniacal, deviant, tyrant, old cunt. Sorry. Well. Cunt. Sorry, not I sorry. I feel like you weren't time. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this, it was lip service to, to sorry. Um, the, the, you know, WWE is very much, and that's one of the things that's so fascinating about it. It is very mm -hmm. much the product of one man's neuroses and one right. man's psychoses. You know, because he surrounded himself with just look, I could quote the fucking pipe bomb, surrounded himself with glad handers and yes men. Mm -hmm. uh, and as it grew and grew and grew, investors flocked to it. And, you know, sponsorship deals and fucking syndication deals and worldwide expansion, whatever Vince was doing, as fucked as it was, it was working. Right. Uh, and that's why, you know, 
that's why the culture within there is so insular and so inward looking because clearly nobody was ever fucking saying to Vince, uh, maybe you don't <laughs> shit on, you know, office staff. <laughs> right. Um, and and yeah, and and the 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 state of the WWE now is very much a a direct reflection of that one man's fucking incredibly damaged mental state. Mm, mm-hmm. And it's fascinating. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I've I have said many times before that I always like wanted to get into WWE. And yeah. you know, my my Andre, yeah. I, I watched. No, uh, no, now I don't. I I mean, in years past, previous mm. Corey, uh, you know, and I started watching like Total Bellas, and was like, I'm really yeah. into like the these girls and into Brian and all that kind of stuff. Um, but like, I'd turn on WWE and be like, I this does not interest me. Once I actually no. would start watching it. Um, yeah, I mean, one of the, you know, the the perfectly, perfectly fair and valid criticisms of WWE from people who actually watch other wrestling companies yeah. is that over the years, uh, it's become so dumbed down. Mm-hmm. Uh, just an over-reliance on just catchphrases, company lines, very, very simple kind of three-word, you know, you can sum up every single one of their performers their 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 gimmick, their character, everything in just a couple of words, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and they will repeat those words to you ad nauseum, mm. and they they will. They you know you listen to the commentary, and it's just a series of buzzwords and catchphrases which they force at you, so that the kids can immediately make the connection by the merch. Which, uh, bless her, that makes sense. Why Jade works better in WWE than AEW? Hey, yes, I mean she looked like a million bucks last night until she actually started doing. <laughs> You know, to she actually got wrestling. in the ring, yeah, <laughs> kind of that that kind of awkward two or three second wait while she waits for somebody to do a move to her. <laughs> yeah, uh, God, God love her, but not God love her. Listen, hey, it's not her fault. It's not her fault. She was hired by AEW based on her physique yes. and her aura, which is undeniably but, yeah. fucking incredible, unimpeachable, and unimpeachable. But she 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 was learning week by week on telly in the ring mm-hmm. as a champion. And that's not how you build a fucking a well-rounded performer, you know? No, not um, so much. What else? What were we talking? Why, why did you go and ask me about wrestling? For fuck's sake. Uh, <laughs> We've been here for ages. I don't know. How you doing, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good, thanks. Um, but no, thank um, God AEW came along when it did because, mm. you know, when I talk about them... Uh, wanting to be the only game in town i'm i i I mean it i mean there are so many examples of them aggressively pursuing and bankrupting every other fucking rival firm i mean you know famously wcw in the in the 90s uh and you know they they just the pursued them in in ratings and and in the press and on their programs until they finally got the chance to buy them and within Within months of them buying WCW, they just completely destroyed it, right. ran it into the ground, and and killed it. Yeah, because they needed another the only... unhinged billionaire that it wasn't going to be that easy to be yes. able to take down. Yes, yeah. so you know, thank fuck for the good of the industry and for the good of of this art form that I love so dearly. Uh, and look, hey, Tony Khan is often not his own best friend. You know, no. he often <laughs> he often p- plays into this narrative that it's a fight between the two companies, mm-hmm. but. Although he's There's very all... funny when he does it, oh, so at least you give it, give him that. I fucking love the guy, right? <laughs> if if you're gonna root for a billionaire, I'm gonna root yep. for the nutter as opposed to the the good nutter as opposed to the bad nutter, right? Because yeah, finally, exactly. there's finally there's a Pepsi, you know, <laughs> right? And they don't, yeah. you know, 
honestly, the the vile fucking toxic tribalism of WWE fans and some AEW fans, but you see it more oh, yeah, from WWE but, fans who right, have yeah. spent so long drinking from Vince's teat that, and only from Vince's teat, that the taste of all other milk is like vinegar to them and they can't handle, they've bought that fucking narrative that WWE is the only game in town and are just unbearably fucking vile, toxic, fucking neckbeard cunts. I'm saying cunt an awful lot this week. I apologize. I've loved um, every moment of this. I Oh, okay. man. I just love the way that you you um, express yourself, Mark. Okay, thank you. Um, but no, <laughs> yes. Finally, there's another game in town. And luckily, it's brilliant. Yes. Go. I've got to stop talking about wrestling now because this ain't, you know, a wrestling podcast. Maybe it should be. <laughs> Maybe it should be, you know? Forget what we watch section. We're going to turn it into a wrestling mm. segment of the show. It's <laughs> yes. good because, otherwise. Hey, it, it's a good thing that that uh, we, we're spending a bit of time talking about wrestling because the what we watched segment this week is pretty skimpy, pretty slim, pretty scant. True. Yes, this is a good point. Uh, we did watch with our dear friends The Ring yesterday at our watch along. And goddamn, Mark, that is a hell of a flick. Wasn't it? Wasn't <laughs> it? Delighted personally because, like I said uh, at the time, like I said last night, I only saw the ring once because at the time I was I was going through mm -hmm. a kind of a you know a, a early twenties kind of yeah I like Japanese horror me yeah and I remember that type <laughs> yeah that was that was me for a little while and I, I was super into Ringu loved it what of a course. fucking great 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 movie so obviously I saw the ring as a stain a blemish right you know um and dismissed it out of hand and Mark at forty five has learned a lot about mm. himself and about the way the world works and <laughs> i'm self-aware and confident enough to say that i was wrong mm. here, right? here. because because govabinski's the ring is a certified banger what a yeah. great film it's so like i it's been at least a decade since i watched it when i was in high school you know i remember seeing it and then of course i bought it on dvd and you know watched it repeatedly um and then hadn't seen it for all this time like it may even it could have been like 15 years i don't know it's been a long time since i have seen the ring and yeah. so revisiting it was really fun because like I remembered how like scary it was for people and, and like, and mm. it is, you know, and like how it was, it became the zeitgeist, right? Like everybody saw it, whether you watched horror movies or not, everyone yeah. watched it. You went to the theater to see it or you had sleepovers and your friends scared each other, you know, all this kind of stuff. Like I remember that was one of those things at the time it was like so much in pop culture that like you'd go over to a friend's house for a sleepover and someone would like freak everyone out by pretending to be Samara or, you know, yes, stuff yes. like that. Um, and if, so it was like scary movie picked up on your movie, you know, you've, you've yeah, hit, you were really doing something. Fucking, yeah. Your cultural footprint. Has yeah. Been big. But I wasn't sure revisiting it, how well it would hold up, if it would feel dated, if it would, you know, yeah. feel like, oh, all of this is has been done in so much better or, you know, and you mm. can see how other movies picked up on this and like yes. so much has like tried to recreate the ring, especially at the time when it was like, oh, let's just remake every J horror <laughs> into yes, yes. Uh, a blue green colored nightmare or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it was a thing for a minute, but like the ring still, when you watch it now, you're like, yes, this was terrifying. This was doing things that we hadn't seen before. Samara coming yes. out of the TV in yes. there 
what? (laughs) There's so much in this movie that I'm like, I haven't seen anything do this better since then. And that, that jaw dropping fucking moment is, is foreshadowed so beautifully with that just single fly coming out of the screen. Yes, exactly. So creepy and so effective. And you don't realize the seed that it's planting for later. Mm hmm. Oh man, it's good. The entire film is tense and it is, it just, it's sweaty almost. The dread, it's, it's like perspiration on skin. Uh, obviously it's all green and that's yes. something that so makes me green. scratch my head. The, right, right from the fucking DreamWorks logo at the beginning, the whole film is green. It's a green film. <laughs> yeah, is this green? is where I questioned that. I was like, I know it was like blue green when it came out. I just don't remember it being that green. And I'm like, was this a transfer issue? Like, you know, sometimes colors get, you know, messed up in the transfer. You're watching something on a DVD and it like, it looks fine. But then digital, like when they turn it into whatever you have now, it's. I downloaded two separate copies of of The Ring in preparation Mm -hmm. for last night's watch along. Because the first one I played, it was like, oh, this one's fucking green. (laughs) Let me get get another copy. Oh, it's the film. Okay. So I downloaded it twice because of the greenness. I yeah. don't buy that it's a transfer issue. You don't fucking, you don't accidentally make a green film. I think that happens all the time, though. I mean, we watch a lot of stuff on Scream and Chat that, like, are just shit transfers. And then you, like, oh, yeah. actually watch a DVD of it. And you're like, oh, that's not that. That's not yeah. that bad. On that, right. <laughs> now, I I, I didn't read Camera Geek magazine or, or whatever it was they, they refer to in, <laughs> right. in the ring. But... A couple of times lately, you know, I've, you know, I've, I've been on like a uh, 80s Schwarzenegger kick of late, mm-hmm. right? Um, the copy of Running Man that I downloaded, Blu-ray transfer, 4K, grainy as fuck, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Immediately after, the copy of Total Recall I downloaded, also 80s, same era, same production value. I imagine, that, you know, the same kind of technology was used to film it and record it. Blu-ray transfer, 4K, crystal fucking clear. Right. How? Yeah. Why is that? Why is there such a variance it's the, in the it's quality the of upstairs? It's usually like when it was transferred, like what copy you're going off of, like who restored mm. it, things like that. Because if you were to use like the original copy of like whatever these movies are, they're degraded by now. So mm. how much effort was put into like restoring this and what did they I use see. to... What are you doing? Dog shit all over my bed. <gasps> No. Okay, what am I supposed to do? No. All right. We gotta him... keep this in. We gotta keep this in. <laughs> put him on the thingy there. How bad was it, Mrs. Edmondson? Was it? Was it? Solid Her last name is not Edmondson. Oh, what was it? She also can't hear you. Uh oh. Okay. He said, "How bad was it? Was it solid?" But no, that would have oh, been preferable. Gouch, <laughs> what did you do? Oh, okay. God. Why me? Why? Oh, oh no, and all my folded laundry's on the bed. Oh. Well. <laughs> well, listen, I'll tell you this, right? And <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't mean anything by this. Mm. But if I had a dog, right? Mm-hmm. And I'd accidentally shat the bed, I would blame it on the dog. <laughs> it's a good point. I have no evidence it was him. That's all I'll say. Mm. I'm not saying your mum shat in the bed and blamed it on Gouch. <laughs> I'm not saying that. 
but <laughs> it's a possibility. Okay, well, can't rule it out. Have to investigate. He smells like a dream now, though, because she bathed him. So, oh, it's, cool. That's delightful. Um. So yeah, the ring was fun. Uh, thank it you was, to everyone listen, who joined us. I'll I'll, I'll get onto that. I mean, I'm going to gush oh, a little bit about no, the, the quality. The quality of the chat last night was well, mm, just first rate. Mm -hmm. But ring is one of those one of those occasions, much like where I'm at with Peter Jackson, where I think to myself, "Fucking hell." Gore Verbinski with your fucking name Gore. <laughs> if only you'd fucking stuck to that genre and stuck to that. Excuse fucking... me, then we wouldn't have Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, okay, but then we wouldn't have <laughs> fucking six of them. <laughs> did, did, he didn't direct all six though, did he? Well, he did, but I don't. I don't know what the fuck else he's done. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where he went. Maybe just like. Nobody has the budget for Gore Verbinski anymore. I'm here for the Gore Verbinski Marvel movie or whatever. Like, I I feel like I stand. I watched the special features on every single one of the first three uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Every special feature. Multiple times. And I like oh, the guy. You see, he's all... Oh, man. Uh-oh. He's... Oh. What if I said the Lone Ranger? I actually liked the Lone Ranger. I'm not going to lie. Oh, you did. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, I may okay. be in the minority what, what, on that, and I get that it's offensive, but I did enjoy the movie. What theme do you notice here, right? Pirates of the Caribbean, mm. The Lone okay. Ranger. Is it Johnny Depp? Is that Rango. Oh, man. Oh. Rango was fucking brilliant, by the way. I remember I fell asleep during that. I never actually finished it. Rango is absolutely great. I've seen it a few times. It is okay. very funny. It is very weird. It is... <laughs> Very emotive, man. Rango makes you feel feelings. Mm, okay. Uh, but obviously, yeah, Johnny Depp Johnny. cast his, cast his yeah, domestic him, abuse pirate. Tim Burton, fucking... like these yeah, guys, they yeah, love yeah, Johnny. Yeah, they sure do. Has he done anything recently? Let's take a little look here. I'm going to look on the internet. <laughs> oh, where were you looking before? <laughs> Just, just pulling was, it from the ether. <laughs> I was thumbing. Uh, oh, Cure for Wellness. That was good. I did not watch it. Uh, Nick Cage and the Weatherman. I seem to remember oh, that was I quite good. He did the Weatherman. He sure did. Wow, that's a whole different tone. I love the Weatherman. That's a great movie. Isn't it great when directors just curveball you and do something right? Yeah, he just made like a little low budget indie flick, <laughs> like the Straight Story. Fucking hell, man! What? I adore the Straight Story so much. I don't know that one. What, the David Lynch film, but the guy on the lawnmower? Hmm. No, I don't think I've seen that. Oh, please. <laughs> this week's homework is watch The Straight Story and okay. cry your fucking every last oh drop of fluid out of your body. Oh, dear. Um, We know that David Lynch can do conventional, you know, but... Of course. But The Straight Story is something else, man. It's the story of a guy uh, who needs... To, he, he, a very old guy, a very old farmer... Uh, a farming geezer in his 80s who uh, learns that his brother is dying across the other end of the country and without any other means of traveling to him he crosses you know states oh, on a ride on lawnmower i don't and... i don't think my heart is in the place to watch something like that uh, right now <laughs> the pain it is so it is a slow yeah beautiful contemplative emotional languid movie and i love it to death i will Listen, add it to my watch list and save it for a day when i have it in me to sob as hard as that sounds like i will 
I'm going to tell you some mad shit here. Gore Verbinski made Mouse Hunt with Nathan Lane. Huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Interesting. Isn't it? He did a lot of music videos. He's done some mm. really fucking, he's worked with some really good bands. Monster Magnet, Bad Religion. Uh, yeah, Bad Religion uh, uh, came up last night. Bad Religion was on a sticker in the film, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. And uh, someone then pointed out that, yes, he had directed a Bad Religion video, at least one. He did, uh, for their excellent, excellent uh, song, Stranger Than Fiction. Yes, yes. I love me some Bad uh, Religion. Oh, I love him. What a great band. Um, Crystal Method. Yeah, so he likes mm. his he likes his good bands. He likes Johnny Depp, but he also, <laughs> well, yeah, he's a very, very listen, interesting director. His recent, his most recent did not have Johnny Depp in it, so maybe, maybe... He's over that infatuation by now. Cure for Wellness did have. That's not the one with Anthony Hopkins, is it? Mm, I don't. I don't know. I'm thinking. Of... I vaguely no, remember no. this, but. Yeah, it had Dane DeHaan, not Anthony Hopkins. They're very different. <laughs> what Anthony Hopkins wow. film I'm thinking of? Road to Wellville. That's what I'm thinking of. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I haven't. You see, seen they that. both have the word "well" in the title. You see I do I'm... see that. Yeah, Dane DeHaan's a weird one, but does a cure for wellness also have Mia Goth? Yes, it does. Yeah, there you go. And no, no Johnny. So we've got that at least. Dane DeHaan is a weird one. Uh, whenever I see him, I quite like him though. Yeah, he's just like yeah, he's just an interesting, interesting guy. I don't know. Mm, he's got a look, you know. Exactly this. And you know how, how how much I adore Chronicle. That's why I like Dane DeHaan, mm, because he yeah, was so fucking great in that film. Right. The one bit in Chronicle where, you know, he's getting his head around his powers, he's mastering his powers, and he's lying on his bedroom floor, and he uses his powers to dismantle a spider. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome. Excellent. Well, what else did you watch this week besides The Ring, Mark? Aside from The Ring, I'm afraid to say I made a mistake and watched... <laughs> Bloomhouse's Night Swim. Oh, yeah. We watched this one together. Yeah, we did. And it can be just completely disregarded. Right? When when Bloomhouse is good, it can be quite a subversive little company, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Megan rushing, you know, getting, getting sneaking Megan out under a PG-13 rating. <laughs> was just mm, beautiful. Yeah, boy, that, they're that skirting film, the edges of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Way nastier than than it had any right to be. Very, uh, very unnerving. You know what I mean? Quite a, quite a. Yeah, you got kid murder. A, yes, a kid gets his ear ripped off. Fucking yeah, nice. <laughs> Give me that. But what Bloomhouse are unfortunately also really good at is just filler. You know? Yes. Just porridge, fucking white bread, shite. <laughs> and night nighthouse, unfortunately, is just such a waste night of time. Swim. Night swim. Nighthouse is a different movie that you do. Nighthouse like. is, is great. I said, <laughs> yes. yeah, I mean I mean night swim. Uh, yeah. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong at all. Uh you've got um what's his uh Wyatt Russell and weirdly Carrie Condon in this yeah. Academy Award nominee, Carrie Condon, uh in a film in which uh Wyatt Russell is a Baseball player who has suffered an injury, a third baseman, baseman like myself when I played. Um, huh. but he I don't think he had an injury, I think he had Parkinson's. Oh, yeah, he has a he has Parkinson's, you're right. Um, and he is, yeah, obviously not gonna be playing baseball anymore. And his family moves into a new place, puts down roots, and tries to, you know, um start a new life yeah. 
together with a new swimming pool in the backyard that yep. is full of horrors. Uh, <laughs> the swimming pool, the 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 scant attention I was paying night swim. I did, is it that the pool is like tapping into like haunted water? Is that what we're saying? Yeah, it's like get it. It's like coming from like it's a what do you uh like a well fed pool or something like that. Like yeah, it comes yeah, from yeah, like yeah, yeah. some sort of natural source as opposed to filling yes. it up with the hose, and, uh, and it's full of bad vibes. Bad vibes, which initially feel like good vibes. Right. Yeah? Exactly. It's like oh, it's like healing him, making him First, feel better. It giveth and then it taketh away. Yes. Uh you quite rightly pointed out that it's it's uh it's a opioid allegory isn't it yeah it really feels like it it is mm. especially as you know it sort of starts to spiral out towards the middle to end of the movie it feels very much like this is yeah, yes a clunky uh <laughs> you saw an opioid allegory i saw an unofficial threequel to cocoon because it's cocoon three it is as well yes <laughs> is what it is it's a pool which you bath in and you swim in and you feel great there i didn't even know there was a cocoon too until you started saying that though there is cocoon too uh i think it had a subtitle as well hang on a second cocoon. electric boogaloo <laughs> <laughs> cocoon the return there you go oh okay does it have the same old guys uh don amici steve gutenberg wilford brimley oh wilford uh, brimley. hey courtney cox Oh, there you go. Yeah. Interesting. Maybe I'll give that a whirl sometime. Was it good or was it terrible? Uh, let me see. Cocoon the Return. <laughs> you don't remember. Oh, I no, I don't remember. I've seen, I, no, I don't think I've seen Cocoon the Return. I've seen Cocoon, but oh, okay. I've not seen Cocoon mm -hmm. the Return. The funniest bit about Nighthouse was my misspelling Cocoon in texts to you at the time. <laughs> I'm referring to it as Cocoon. <laughs> For some reason, that really makes me laugh. Yeah, that Just, was the I best thing why. about the night, the night swim film. It's true, yeah. <laughs> um, well, this week, I watched a couple of things. Obviously, we watched that together. I did watch El Conde. Oh, um, did you? Did you enjoy it? Please tell me you enjoyed it. Please, please, please tell me you enjoyed it. Please. Oh, no, you didn't. I have... Uh, it's iffy. I think <sighs> I like what they were trying to do more than I liked oh. the execution of it. Uh, it is why? obviously what? beautifully shot. Um, that is indisputable. Um, I think it was really convoluted. Uh, it's always kind of iffy when it comes down to like making a terrible historical figure into like an actual monster and like how that kind of tends to take away from like what actually they were. <laughs> um, and I was mm. reading some of the reviews of this from people who are like actually from there. Um, and they were saying that like, you know, the I guess the director's dad was like a part of um, Pinochet's like regime or whatever, or was mm. like very connected to this. And that like it feels weird to be really like as lighthearted as this movie is about this when it's like your dad was like one of the people who was contributing to like this happening, even if you disagree with his politics. Like so, you know, there's some iffy pol political stuff in this movie. Um yeah, I felt it was it was trying to do too many things. And I thought that like the kind of reveal about the narrator was a little silly <laughs> when that came in. And so it kind of took me out of like the last 20, 30 minutes of the movie after that. So all, I don't of, know. all of those bits that you've mentioned were bits that I really enjoyed. I thought oh, that it I thought it did a really good job of interrogating Pinochet's crimes. Mm, interesting. Uh, you know, 
the 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 family one by one all talk in detail about how fucking horrible this guy was mm-hmm. but the reveal the reveal of of his parentage uh i thought was was just the right kind of silly to be awesome i love that <laughs> sure. kind of silly I think it was, yeah, the tone throughout didn't quite hit the comedy for me. So I think by the time that happened, I was like, if this had been funnier, this would have worked. It isn't quite comedy, though. It's it's, it's that that kind of funny, but not ha-ha funny. It's funny strange. It's more of a kind of a del del Toro comedy. Right. And there were a few, like, quips in it that, like, kind of, like, they made me laugh in their, like, dry darkness or whatever. But yeah. thus the silliness of your reveal here, which we obviously won't give away, but this felt incongruous with the kind of funny the yeah. rest of the movie was. Yeah, and it, th- that's that's yeah. the incongruity that I like, because there was no <laughs> reason enough. for it. They yeah, could have right. just made a really nice kind of 90-minute film about Pinochet being a vampire flying about the place. Right. But nope, that wasn't enough. They also had to do something out of left field. Right. I don't know. I, I, I enjoy yeah. that. It just felt like there was, too- yeah, too many storylines going on. I think the character sort of at the center of this this like nun who's going to kill Pinochet but is posing as his like accountant or whatever lawyer doesn't make any sense at all like why if the kids know she's not like the lawyer why are they telling her all of this shit like why are they letting her interview them like it makes no sense at all uh there's uh it does I mean she's going in undercover from the church Right. So they they think she's going to help them get recover some of Pinochet's money. Do do they think that? I feel like they know that she's like because they even reference it constantly that she's there to kill him. Like they know that. Yeah. They do. So it doesn't make any sense that they like treat her like she's that's not what she's there for. It made <laughs> so... sense to me at the time. Uh... <laughs> Fair enough. I'm not the only one who had. I know that this comes up a lot in the other reviews. Like, it doesn't make sense that she's double agenting, mm. but they treat her like she's not. Like, so yeah. To me, it just it came across a bit convoluted. That said, like I said, it's a pretty movie. It's like you know, very very beautifully shot. Um, and and an interesting concept. I just don't know that like the way that it was executed really worked for me as well as mm-hmm. I would have liked. But very well, interesting nonetheless. I'll grant that. Okay. <laughs> I also watched uh, in my uh, another Academy Award nominated film, Anatomy of a Fall, uh, which is the one that um, got the it has a female director and she was nominated for best director for this one. Uh, so for best picture as well. It's about um, a woman. She's German um, and her husband is not German, French. Her husband is French. <laughs> um, and uh, she, they're both writers. And he dies after falling from uh, a height inside of their house. And she becomes yeah. uh, the main suspect. Like, basically, they think she might have pushed him out of the window as opposed to him falling. And so they're trying to figure out, you know, did she kill her husband, basically? Um, and it's really like, you know, it's a courtroom drama, uh, but it's also mm. like very much sort of like talking about like, you know, looking at the complicated nature of relationships and marriage and all of this kind of stuff. And like the ways in which like multiple things can be true, like these people love and hate each other in equal measure and that they have all of these mm. kinds of things like that are are pulling them apart um, that 
when you hear a recording of a fight between them makes her sound super guilty, for example. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. But at the same time, like, you know, anyone who's been in a relationship or, you know, any kind of things like that knows that, like, what it means to say something you don't mean or, you know, the frustrations that you get about your life. Um, and so you're watching her sort of try to defend herself with a, a prosecutor that is very hell bent on, you know, uh, yeah. saying she's a horrible sociopathic person and all this. And we don't know if she did it or not. So yeah. we are following along sort of in the same boat of like, you know, is she a terrible person? Um, you know, is did she kill her husband or is this all just sort of a mistake? Is she a bad person and she didn't kill her husband? You know, all sure, kinds yeah, of yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Um, all that said, I, th I think it's it's quite well made and very brilliant and all that kind of stuff. I didn't necessarily like it. <laughs> You know, it was one of those things where it's like over two hours long and it's very realistic, which means it doesn't move at a clip. You know, yeah, yeah. it is very perfectly much... possible. It's perfectly possible to appreciate yeah. just how well put together something right. is and have it not land for you at all. Exactly that. Um, but the the lead in it, she's actually I was looking at what's playing at the local indie theater um, and she's in like another movie that is out right now that I was thinking of watching that was about um, uh, a like Nazi official trying to build his dream home right next to the camps. Mm. Uh, and so that sounds really interesting as well. I feel like we're going to be seeing a lot of of her. She speaks she speaks English throughout this movie. One of the tensions is that um, they have a child who had an accident and it blinded him and uh she they speak English in the home as sort of a common ground because he doesn't speak German. Her French isn't that great and yep. all of this. And so they have this sort of tension about language within the house as well. That's really interesting. Nice. Um, but yeah, I think we'll see probably a lot more of her after these nice, two nice, movies nice. coming on. A movie that I'm absolutely desperately jones in to see more and more mm. as the days go by. But unfortunately, I missed in the how you say theater uh, <laughs> is that fucking Godzilla movie that everybody's raving oh, about? Oh yeah, I yeah. Am desperately, I did want to see that one. Waiting for that to come to streaming. I cannot mm -hmm. wait for it. Yeah, absolutely. I love me some, some kaiju man. I like a big monster. Yeah, um, and I feel like I always go when I'm excited and like it's like fifty fifty on being like disappointed versus it being a fun time. Mm. And so hearing everyone rave about that one, I was like, ah, oh, I gotta see it, and I just. It was the wrong time, you know, with the car getting stolen and all that kind of stuff. It wasn't playing at the indie theater. It was only at the AMC that you can't walk to. So. How is it you get your car back, by the way? No, it's still it's still being they were like ordering parts and stuff like that. It's been like a month and a half, almost two months. It'll be two months on the fourth uh, since that happened. And yeah, they're just still trying to get parts to fix it. So. I hate that for you. I'm deeply, deeply sorry. It's a giant pain in the ass. I've been driving my old car, Tiberius, the space car, uh, and he's uh, he's a lovely car, except that he doesn't have a backup camera, and so it stresses me out every time I have to back up because I've spent the past several years using a camera. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and like now my neck does not turn super well so... i never ever want to look behind me when i'm reversing ever again <laughs> right i mean i, I do love... look behind me but you know <laughs> yeah if i yeah if, if i'm a little bit kind of hesitant you know you gotta it, yeah, check but... to make sure there's no kids like running at you from the sides but yeah i don't want to like it's much safer to look in front yes. of me at a camera than it is for me to try to turn around and check every single spot i don't oh. like it 
I did say I was going to talk a little bit about the quality of the attendees Oh, yes. at mm -hmm. the watch along uh, last night. Um, I'm not the type to blow smoke. I'm really not. But <laughs> every time we do a watch along, I'm utterly fucking bowled over it. Not look, being funny is one thing, right? But being mm. funny in a really fucking insightful and kind of illuminatory way is something entirely different. And mm. everybody contributes to that watch along in a way that is just it's I I I I wish I was as fucking funny and fucking sharp as half of the people that come to our watch alongs. <laughs> I know, I, right? Honestly, For real. you're all you're all my heroes. <laughs> Agreed, one hundred percent. It's always such mm -hmm. a phenomenal time. And like every single time it's without fail, you're like, this was the best watch along so far. Because it's just yeah. yeah, it always is. Yes. So every listen, time. you if you want a piece of that, and you really should, uh do please keep your eyes peeled for news of February's watch along. Indeed. Yeah. We'll we'll try to get on that, like figuring out what it is or what our theme is at least a little earlier this time and uh have you all prep. But like people showed up, everyone was around and it was a great time, even on somewhat short notice this time. Yes. It was great. Yes. Um the the only other thing I wanted to to mention is just like a little bit of a I don't know, um an irritation of mine at the moment when it comes to things I'm watching. Say I'm in it. a mode, I think because I, there's like so much going on in the world that is stressing me out and all that kind of stuff. I've been struggling to sort of sit down and like watch a movie. It just hasn't really been mm. like a thing that I super want to do most of the time where like, mm. you know, normally I'm like, yeah, give me all the movies. Uh, <laughs> I've just kind of been like, I turn something on and I get 10 minutes into it and I'm like, nah. Um, but a thing that I, I can get into usually is a documentary um, mm. or a docu-series, things like that. You know, I think I mentioned that Keo and I had like gotten super into the Natalia Grace documentary. Um, you know, we've I watched all the Gypsy Rose stuff that's been coming out, you know, stuff like that. Um, but and, and everyone knows this, like there's been a Netflixification of documentaries and docu-series yes. where it's like a story that should be an hour-long episode of Dateline is yep. now a three to seven part limited uh, series, limited yeah, series yeah, yeah. traumatized reenactments, yes, yes, yes. music, like aggressive yeah. music, all this kind of stuff. The that, formula like, even goes as far as like opening credits. They all look yeah, the fucking same, like a montage right? of various Exactly. Oh man, it's 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 craven in it and how blatant it is. Right. And I can't stand it. Yeah. Um, and so like twice this week I have started a documentary. One was actually on Netflix, that was American Nightmare. Um oh, that you? like <laughs> not every time I see the title, I'm like, is this about Cody Rhodes? It is not. It's about like a kidnapping. Um and Did you watch I, it all? No, I watched like 20 so minutes. You of didn't it. finish the story. No, because I watched like 20 minutes of it and I was like, I hate this. I'm just going to go read it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm just I'm going to read it instead. Yeah. Uh, and then I did the same thing with on HBO. There was a doc called Chowchilla, which like the story is that like an entire school bus full of children was kidnapped and stuck in a hole with their bus driver <laughs> for ransom, which is a cool like i mean not cool like a crazy story oh, yeah. <laughs> holy yeah, yeah, shit yeah. 
And again, I got like partway through it and was like, this is unwatchable. Like, just tell me the story. Uh, and it was it. And then I immediately just Googled it instead, and, like read something to learn what happened there. Um, and so then yesterday I watched a PBS documentary called Nazi Town USA, which was about like the the ways in which like pre-World War II or like sort of in like between like 30s and 40s ish um, before like Germany was definitely the enemy, like basically uh -huh. pre-Pearl Harbor. Um, the there were all these like people who supported the Nazis. And you may have heard before, like, you know, that like the Nazis went and did like a huge rally in Madison Square Garden, which was like I mean, yeah, appeasement was a thing for a while. Well, wasn't of it? course. Yeah. But like this mm -hmm. goes beyond appeasement. We're talking about like rabid support coming from white Americans. Okay. Um, and like Madison Square Garden is a huge place that like not only is it enormous and it's crazy to like be able to fill that with Nazis, but mm. also being where it is is like a hub of like Jewish people in New York. So it's like really like, you know, they were putting themselves in that place where all of these people live. Um, and New Jersey was a place where we had like various Nazi camps and stuff like that, like literally summer camps that kids went and learned to be Nazis in. Mm. Um, and well, in this, what the, in the States? Yes, in the States, all over the United States, but multiple here in New Jersey. They had these Nazi summer camps for children to go learn white supremacy and that Jews were bad and all of that. Kind Son of, stuff. of a bitch. I yeah. never knew that. Right. Like we go from Operation Paperclip to this like America was doing all kinds of Nazi shit. Like it's crazy. Charles Lindbergh was a Nazi supporter. Like It was so deeply ingrained here um, that like this kind of stuff was happening. And Nazi Town USA on PBS is like it's just people talking about it and showing archival footage and telling the story took them like an hour and 10 minutes to just tell this story and be like, Hey, you know, look out for fascism because this is the kind of cloak it puts itself in and boom, mm. there got it. Totally understand what happened. And it was just like, that's what, that's what I want out of a documentary is just like, please tell me the story. Yes. I don't need reenactments and music and all of this stuff. Just tell me what happened for the love of God. Yes, you're, of course, very, 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 very correct. And <laughs> whenever I'm scrolling through Netflix, looking for desperately for something to watch, but spending more time looking than I am watching, I've breezed past so many documentaries that I think on face value, oh, I wouldn't mind seeing yeah, that. Yeah, that sounds great. Realize, then I realize it's fucking three hour long episodes. Mm -hmm. and I know that it doesn't need to be. So. Yeah, it needs one. Yeah. So, Mark. Yes. This Look, week. hey, oh. we aren't... Listen, I know I preface this this way every time we start talking about something current eventsy. We aren't the current events podcast. We it's aren't. Sure, we're not. Mm -mm. But sometimes the current events are so joag mm -hmm. that, that we gotta... It'd be ridiculous for us not to. Mm. Which, by the way, is a good way to also preface that next week... My How We Got to Gaza series will will yes. commence and we'll we'll work through that in February. And I promise it won't be entirely depressing and it won't be dry. Because you know I have concerns. You do have concerns. Uh, and so for anyone listening, hey, it's not going to be like horrible the whole time. There will be horrible things just like every episode of Joe Ag, but we're going to yep. we're going to have a good time. Nonetheless, why don't learn some things? If if we're gonna go, if we're gonna do that, why don't I do every cold open next month? Love it. 
Yeah, I'll I'll maybe add a little bit of levity. Yeah, Mark will warm us start. up. Yes. And it'll it'll be a good time. So, hey, go. you're going to learn. You're going to have fun with Mark because everyone loves a colorful Mark cold open and it'll be a good time. But anyway, this current event this week, uh, we've both been keeping an eye on the story of an inmate in Alabama who was to become the first person executed by nitrogen hypoxia. And there's a lot to unpack just there in and of itself, I think. For one, of course, it's the fact that we're still legally killing people here. Uh, and by way of comparison, the last executions in the United Kingdom were carried out 60 years ago in yep. 1964. Uh, and the practice of executing murderers was banned fully in 1969 throughout most of the yep. UK with Northern Ireland, the last to officially ban it in 1973. Uh, by the way, the actual end of legal capital punishment in the UK was, I believe, 1998, because you could still execute pirates, technically. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> as well, I believe. Yes. <laughs> Which I thought was a funny little caveat. Nobody was executed, <laughs> but theoretically, it was still legal to execute pirates. Um, but there has never been an execution by Just the On that, I, I, I'm sure I'm not making this up, but in France... I think the last guillotining was far more recent than you might yeah, imagine. Yeah, it was. I can't tell you off the top of my head, but I remember that it is actually much more recent than you would think. Sorry, go ahead while I'm, while I'm taking uh, a look Yeah, while you do that. Um, there's never been an execution by the state in the United Kingdom as long as either of us have been alive. And also, as a reference point, your mother was just 16 mm. the last time someone was hanged on British soil. This was a long That's, ass time ago. That is incredible. So my mother was alive. <laughs> yes, your mother was alive. She was a teenager. Hanging in the UK. Fuck it. Isn't that That's bananas? <laughs> uh, last guillotine execution in France was in 1977. There you go. Yeah. Fucking hell. It's wild. <laughs> um, but meanwhile, not only are we still doing it, but we're finding new ways to do it. Yeah, and, and that's the first thing that grabs me and mm -hmm. just wrenches at my fucking heart. Mm -hmm. Not, you know, in a world where other fucking societies are, are, have exited, other mm -hmm. civilized nations have exited out of the death penalty, have realized, hang on, it's flawed, it's inhumane, it's pointless, it isn't a deterrent, yep. it's it's unreliable. Uh, the good old fucking US of A is grimly fucking not only carrying on but it's still in like research we're innovating yeah exactly still fucking thinking about it. <sighs> yeah it's very cool and, and one of mm. the reasons for that uh is because no one wants to supply us with the drugs to kill people anymore uh lethal injection is carried out using a specialized cocktail of intravenous drugs and obviously prisons don't have cute little labs where inmates are cooking up pharmaceuticals like they hammer out license plates so pharma companies have to manufacture the drugs, and often these companies are overseas. And as you can imagine, they want nothing to do with selling to prisons for use in state-sanctioned murders. I wonder mm. if the lethal injection template, you know, the, the chemicals that you use, the dosages, the levels, the mixture. I wonder if any of that came from Operation Paperclip mm. or Unit fucking That's a really good question. I wonder. Mm, yeah, it might be something to look into. How how was this mixture mm. pioneered? Really good question. Um, but in theory, this not selling to us 
awesome, excellent stance, and I applaud them for it. Don't sell stuff for people to be killed in lethal injections. But the U.S. will not be stopped by something as silly as not having the right drugs for a humane execution. Instead, we try things like just not using all the drugs we're supposed to use in the process. Can't find it? Fine, just leave it out. Should see whatever we've got in the cupboard. Right, yeah, surely nothing could go wrong there. Um, as we've discussed in a previous episode, actually a shit ton can go wrong there. Uh, lethal injections are frequently botched. Not just because of fudging the dosage like that, but also because obviously doctors can't participate in the process. What with the whole Hippocratic oath thing. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's just regular ass folks administering these injections, just people who work in the prisons. Uh, and that kind of botching had already occurred as the state of Alabama's first attempt to execute Kenneth Smith in 2022. For four hours... Smith was strapped to a gurney as prison staff failed to find a vein for his injection. And I've had this happen to me while giving blood before, which is wild because my <laughs> veins are very visible, uh, but it is excruciating. I remember mm. eventually having to like tap out in tears while trying to donate blood. Um, and I never cry from pain. That's how much it hurt them digging around in there. So imagine being strapped down waiting to die for four hours as someone digs around in your arm for a good spot for the poison. Actual torture. Uh, on botched executions, I know it's something we did in the early days of Joag, mm -hmm. but it bears repeating that uh, uh, Amherst College is quoted in Science Daily in 2012 as saying that since the beginning of the 20th century, an estimated 3% of all executions in the United States were botched. 3%. That's 3% of all US executions were fucked up. Yeah. And it's probably higher, realistically. Mm -hmm. And also <laughs> realizing that an unbotched execution is like, like, what does that even mean, to be honest? Yeah, 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 uh, and yeah, yeah, and yeah, I'll sure. get into that a little bit. But yeah, when, when we talk about a botch, that's like a obviously fucked up, as opposed to just the method itself. Yes. Not doing the thing that we think it's doing. Um, so. Obviously, I'm biased because I don't think this practice should exist, but I definitely think that if they try to execute you and it doesn't work, you've carried out your sentence. I could not agree more. Yeah. If you fail to kill me, if you fail to deliver on your death sentence, surely... All right, just send me back to prison, life in prison. Yeah, if you right, it. like your end of the deal is fulfilled. You, yes. you were sentenced to die, they did yep. their thing, and it didn't work, like... That's it. You don't get round two. I'm sorry. Uh, but in this case, not only did they try again, they decided to test out nitrogen hypoxia on him, a fully untested on humans form of execution. You're quite right in what you say, test. I mean, a common refrain of anti-vaxxers is, I don't want to be an experiment right. for a fucking genetic <laughs> fucking... Nah, nah, nah. Right. But this, this is... This is truly a, a testing bed because it's literally not yes. ever been fucking done before. The first exactly. time they tried it was on this dude. Yes, precisely. Cannot stress that enough. 100%. The method was authorized in Alabama in 2018 after already being authorized by Oklahoma and Mississippi. But neither of those states had used it. This is the first time anyone actually did it. Uh, and while authorities literally said this was going to be the most humane method of execution of all time... Experts had huge reservations straight out the gate. 
See, nitrogen hypoxia in capital punishment is administered through a mask, much like one you would get oxygen through. Nitrogen is a normal thing we all breathe, but just combined <laughs> with oxygen. The idea here is the mask would deliver nitrogen without the oxygen, causing the person to basically pass out and die. And yeah. they legit got the idea from uh, workplace accidents in which people had died from nitrogen inhalation and oh, from Christ. suicide attempts where people Christ. had used nitrogen. Just really cool stuff uh, that they did here for their their R&D on this. Uh, I'm surprised they didn't invite some Nazis to come help. Uh, prison officials said that it should take a matter of seconds for the person to use to lose consciousness and then a few yeah. minutes for them to die. And I don't want to spoil anything here, Mark, but that's not how it went down. Well, uh, <laughs> there are just super briefly, there are two yeah. very different narratives here, right? <laughs> yes, there are. Now, uh, I'm going to quote from the uh, attorney general of Alabama, one Steve Marshall. In a, a, a news conference after the event uh, this past Friday, he is quoted as saying, uh, fuck it, let's do the voice. What occurred last night was textbook. <laughs> as of last night, high nitrogen hypoxia as a means of execution is no longer an untested method. It's a proven one. Right? Uh, yep. So he's... he. A textbook, his words were, uh, a, a textbook execution. On the other hand, a reporter, at the, uh, this is from The Telegraph, Lee Hedgepeth, a reporter who witnessed the execution, is quoted as saying, I've been to four previous executions and I've never seen a condemned inmate thrash in the way that Kenneth Smith reacted to the nitrogen gas. Kenny just began to gasp for air repeatedly and the execution took about 25 minutes total. I wonder who's telling the truth. Just Isn't it? Just really interesting. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. What happened here was that he sat clearly conscious with the mask pumping nitrogen in for several minutes before he started convulsing violently, as that reporter said, mm -hmm. uh, and pulling at his restraints, which is horrifying. Um, his eyes rolling back in his head as he fought to breathe. I mean, this uh. is one of the worst possible things that you could possibly experience, choking for air, convulsing eyes rolling back in your head, trying everything you can to get a breath and pull the restraints off of you that are making this happen. Yeah. Ugh, unfathomable. Once he ceased convulsing, he breathed deeply for several minutes, according to the Guardian, and then he finally died. The whole process took about 22 minutes, a far cry from the few seconds that had been advertised. Smith's spiritual advisor, the Reverend Jeff Hood, said that the prison officials present were, quote, visibly surprised at how bad this thing went, mm. noting that they'd watched someone spend several minutes struggling for his life. And in epic cop speak, the corrections commissioner said, quote, it appeared that Smith was holding his breath as long as he could. And? <sighs> right? Like, okay, well, if that's a pot, like, a, what? He was holding his breath? Come the fuck on, be serious. And if mm. that were a possible thing, feels like a thing you, like, this doesn't work. If someone can hold yeah. their breath yeah. uh, and end up with this happening. So two strikes here, buddy. Um, but as I said, experts had had major concerns before this even had a chance to go this horribly awry or textbook. <laughs> and what, what, we're, what we're talking about here isn't, 
and and bear with me for a second on this. Yeah, go for it. A, a common line, which I I I've, I've heard lots in relation to this very case on you know radio and news. Families of the victim, supporters of the death penalty. Well, his victim suffered. You <laughs> yeah, know, right. <laughs> you know, he nobody checked in on the welfare of of his victim before he killed her. All right, fine. But that's not the fucking issue here. Right. That ain't it. You know what I mean? Who yeah, gives exactly. a fuck that? I, I, I'm not saying who gives a fuck about the victim. I am not right. fucking saying that. Obviously, obviously punishment is justified. Obviously, of course, he fucking committed murder. Um, But on a fucking human level and on a right. moral level and on a technical level and on a legal level. I mean, the United Nations have called it yes. officially. The United Nations have called it torture. Yep. Exactly. The actual UN have have gone, which seems quite bold. Which seems quite a bold thing, but right. they've, they've they've specifically stated that that method of execution, nitrogen hypoxia, is torture, and they themselves urged Alabama not to do it. Yep, it's not great. No, <laughs> when you're you're basic, yeah, crimes against humanity. Essentially, you know, yeah, exactly it doesn't. There. That's not the same thing well, as you know, punishment. Unusual. Yeah, cruel and unusual punishment. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'll get to you know what they had said before uh, this even occurred. Um, but yeah, like that's the thing is like it's really when it comes to this, we're not talking about the victim, and it doesn't bring a victim back for someone to be tortured to exactly, death. Exactly, exactly. You that's know, what I was yeah. That's <laughs> like, okay, so they were both tortured or whatever. You know, like that does not uh, make it right. And in fact. It was interesting. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but there is a a fella who, um, you know, he had written sort of a treatise on uh, crime and punishment that actually sort of sits as like the sort of basis for how our cr criminal justice system works in general in like most Western countries, um, how the jury process works, you know, how we um, how we sentence people, how we punish people, all of that kind of stuff. And he himself was against the death penalty um, mm. because, you know, as that was kind of his moral stance on this was like, you know, the reason that we punish people is to prevent them from doing it again and maybe to get other people not yes. to, to do it as well, like a degree of messaging and a degree of just being like, let's get Deterrence. this person out. Yes, yes And it yes. has to be in that case proportionate. And his sort of moral stance on this was like, you know, we what does it do to us to do the same thing? to them, yeah. you know, um, and that is largely what we're, you know, we've built the criminal justice system off, except just ignoring yeah. that that part of how we well, felt about this. He was I... like, it's not a deterrent. It won't stop other people from doing it. And it's overkill to do this to exactly. the person. You know, you can, and there are other ways to keep them from offending again. Completely. If it's a deterrent, why are people still murdering? Right. Like, we should have solved murder by now if it's a deterrent. And it, maybe... <sighs> Whenever I have this train of thought, which I do often when thinking about executions, is killing wrong? Right. So, yes, it is. So if you do it, we're going to kill you. That's a right. fucking huge yeah, it makes no sense. logical fallacy, you know? Mm -hmm. But this is, you know, a, a thing that I remember a lot going to Christian school where, of course, everyone was very pro-death penalty was, you know, that sort of difference between... No, no, I've never been pro death penalty. <laughs> not, not in my entire life. Um, but most other people were, um, and that was like you know they would make the distinction between murder and killing, uh, which of course is not what the commandment says. It says you shall not kill, 
But, you know, it's there's plenty of reasons. And, and to be fair, that's right. Like, there's plenty of reasons to kill that aren't murder, right? <laughs> like, you know, you might uh, kill someone in self-defense or things like that. Um, mm. And perhaps there's moral gray area to that. But as retribution, that strikes me as murder. Yes. You yeah, know, it's premeditated. premeditated. <laughs> yeah. Like, <Jinx. laughs> and that, <laughs> that always confused me as an idea when Christians would be like, well, there's killing and murder and like capital punishment is killing, but it's not murder. Like, it's the definition Fuck of off. murder. <laughs> Come That's on. That's what that is. Fuck off is yeah. what that is. Bunch of uh, bullshit. Interestingly, I note that the guy who, who gave that bang in quote, it appeared Smith was holding his breath for good. Uh, that was the commissioner for the Alabama Department of Corrections, a guy by the name of John Hamm. Yeah. Uh, it's, and it's I'm going to go ahead. I think he has an extra E think, on there, right? Nah, it's the, it's him. It's John Hamm from Mad Men. It's <laughs> okay, fair enough. I'll accept it. <laughs> uh, fucking shit up, John Hamm. <laughs> Write him all your hate mail. What if <laughs> murder? <laughs> but anyways, yes. Yeah, so all these people had concerns. Um, this method had been tested on animals. And apparently it was deemed okay only for pigs. Uh, mice, for example, showed severe distress for several minutes and exhibited behavior like open mouth gasping for air and seizures when subjected to nitrogen hypoxia. The American Vet Veterinary Medical Association said that for mammals other than pigs, the practice creates an anoxic environment that is distressing for some species. We are definitely among those species. <laughs> Yeah, clearly. It was also noted that if the mask wasn't fully airtight, which it likely wasn't, oxygen could get in, which would make the process much slower and potentially put him into a vegetative state rather than yep. killing him. Yep. It was also a concern that he might vomit from the lack of oxygen and then choke to death on that vomit. What's key here is that we did not know because it'd never been used on a person before. And from the animal studies, it looked like it would go badly. Everything mm. that we knew said, don't do this. Even, like you said, the United Nations stepped in before the execution, not just after. And they were like, there's no evidence that this is not going to cause immense suffering. They went so far as to say that it, quote, could amount to torture or other cruel, inhuman or degrading treatment or punishment under international human rights law. It's a human rights violation on an international scale to do this but we know of course that this is just the latest in a long line of attempts to find a humane way to kill availability of the juice aside lethal injection itself has plenty of problems but the thing about lethal injection is that it looks humane mm. discover magazine called it a seemingly tranquil method uh, the process starts with a saline drip, then a dose of sodium thiopental, followed by pancuronium bromide and then potassium chloride. How we like to understand it is that this combination makes it so that the prisoner doesn't feel it when the drugs paralyze them and stop their heart. We, of course, can't know for sure because they die afterwards. Uh, but certainly people who haven't died or who died painfully and slow slowly show us that it's not foolproof. For example, mm -hmm. prison staff have struggled to administer the drugs to people who are overweight or who were former drug users, unable to locate veins. A 2020 investigation into lethal injections found that 84% of the prisoners who had been executed this way suffered pulmonary edema. 
And if they weren't properly sedated, that means it would have felt like they were drowning. But we wouldn't be able to tell because they look perfectly peaceful while it's happening, Mm -hmm. which is like that's horror movie shit, right? Like being unable to move or express yourself like it's the pit and the pendulum, you know, Yeah, 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 (laughs) not being able to move uh, as something horrendous is happening to you. Um, I should also point out that according to the Death Penalty Information Center, the multi-drug form of lethal injection isn't always used. Some places just use one, simply injecting an overdose of pentobarbital, no sedative or paralytic with it. In all of this, you have cases like a prisoner in Ohio who died, quote, gasping and choking, and one in Oklahoma who, during the execution, cried out that his whole body was burning. Yeah, I remember that one. I'm sure he's just goofing around, though. No big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he meant listen, like figuratively. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's just an observation. But before we had a le- lethal injection, we had the electric chair, which was, despite being horrible, at least to a degree, a sincere attempt to make execution more humane than hanging, which was botched almost every single time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like in movies, you always see like these dramatic hanging scenes where the person's making some impassioned plea or something. And then they drop and we see their lifeless feet swinging oh, below. Yeah. That Instant rarely snap. fucking happens. Yeah, yeah. No, of course not. <laughs> the, the vast majority of the time when people are hanged, it doesn't work. And they end up either being slowly strangled or having to have some intervention like someone pulling on their legs to break their neck. And by the way, just as a side note. As I was reading about attempts at humane executions, I came across an absolutely bonkers story from Germany in the 1600s. Apparently, rich people at that time would have been beheaded, uh, which is pretty quick and as far as they knew, painless. Uh, But the poors had to be shown a painful and humiliating lesson. Namely, being burned to death. Oh, Stop. Really? Yeah. Yep. This was and for like petty shit too. The like the story that I was reading about was like a guy who'd stolen some coins and he was sentenced to be burned to death. Um, at least one executioner at the time, one Franz Schmidt, was not a fan of this deeply horrible means of taking lives. So he devised a system by which he would wrap a cord around the throat of the prisoner and hide on their person a packet of gunpowder. Uh, and when he lit the straw around the prisoner's chair ablaze, uh, his assistant would yank on the cord and strangle the prisoner before they burned. And if that didn't work, uh, the gunpowder was the backup. It would ignite and hopefully off the prisoner quickly. And all of this would occur while the prisoner was hooded, so onlookers were none the wiser and the thought that the prisoner was suffering in appropriate agony. I just found that fascinating. Like, I don't know what the guy generally believed about justice and punishment and whatnot, but it's really interesting that he would commit this little act of mercy and defiance mm. as he did this grim job. Like, I've got to mm. kill this guy, but it's he shouldn't be suffering like this. So I'm going to secretly attach this rig to try to make sure that with two methods to try to make sure that he dies in a way that isn't so horrendous. It's fascinating. It is. in In the grimmest way in the darkest way yeah exactly the, it's it's certainly one for a future cast the science of death mm. what is what is what is the medically most ultimate painless easy kind of smoothest way to extinguish life 
And that's what they're like. All of this is ultimately trying to do that. Right. And the clear conclusion I think we have to draw from centuries of trying to figure out how to humanely kill people is that you but can't. Like you, you, I mean, you you say that that's what they're trying to do. Alabama had no fucking interest in any of that. Right. However, like when it like, for example, think about the fact that they were like using a guillotine on nobles and rich people because sure, sure, they sure, were sure. like this. Yeah, is, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. the most what they deserve, they do. deserve something gonna... less than easy. Yeah. Yeah, like and we've never found anything better than that, uh, which to me says you can't humanely kill someone whose time to die hasn't come. When it comes to, say, euthanasia, people make an informed choice that whatever suffering they may endure for a little bit mm -hmm. is better than the pain that uh, comes with their illness. But when it comes to perfectly healthy people, it's simply inhumane to kill them, period. We have not found anything that you can do that doesn't cause suffering to people. Because, yeah, if, if somebody doesn't want to die, there's no way of making it easy. <laughs> right. Mm. Uh, and as Fordham law professor Dr. Deborah Denno explained in the New Republic, what really needs to happen is what the UK did. They paused everything and assembled experts who wrote a 500-page report on every aspect of the death penalty. The methods, the rates of innocence, the racial inequalities, the lack of adequate counsel received by inmates, socioeconomic status, gender, and so on. And once they'd gone through a long process of analyzing all that data, they decided they couldn't execute people anymore. We obviously have all kinds of studies on all of that here in the United States, but they're carried out independently. States uh -huh. that maintain the death penalty aren't interested in a rigorous assessment of the process that might lead to them having to ditch it. In fact, in fact, they're pretty damn secretive about the problems they do know about because, as Denno puts it, quote, the more information states reveal about what they're actually doing, the more we find that what they're doing contradicts the search for a humane method of execution. Like you just said, they're not really interested in no. a humane thing, just something that appears to be. So there's no no th such thing as a humane execution. It's time to put the practice down, Mark. Yeah. Well, I know that, and you know that. <laughs> we do know that. Yeah. Dear listener, goddamn, I'm certain you all know that. Yeah. Um, and you would hope that like something like this that's so egregious would like cause like a jolt to people, you know? Like, how is the entire United States not like, hang on? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, uh, we know that one too. Well, <laughs> a very good point as well. It just, uh, I mean, I'm honestly not sure what, like, the figure is for, like, agreement with death penalty in the United States. But I don't think it's, I think at this point more people disagree with it than agree with it. Okay. Um, but it's a, the federal government has decided this is a state's rights issue at this point, you know. Uh, yeah. So they're not going to make this this ruling. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it becomes it feels as though it would fall into that same kind of zealotry with which you know you you the the right to bear arms is is held as sacrosanct and right. immutable. You know, it feels like that kind of same same kind of mindset. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so fuck that noise, man. Fuck it, sky high. I hate it. Amen. Um, I'd like to do a little more when we've gone through Israel Palestine on euthanasia. I've, I've, yeah. Uh, there's some fascinating, fascinating methods and books that I that I'm I'm gonna check out. Uh, an author called Philip Nitschke has a lot to say about you know self 
euthanasia. There's a a, mm. a device a device called the suicide bag. Oh, okay. Is that a term you've heard of? Okay. No, we've um, talked about I, the pod and things like that. We've but talked about no. the pod. We've talked about you know the the lovely little cocktail you get in Switzerland. But there's lots of DIY stuff you can mm, do interesting. if you want to do it uh, to give yourself a nice kind of dreamy, sleepy way out. Um, yeah, we'll revisit that. We certainly shall. <laughs> but until then, dear uh, friends, is it that time to go? It's that time to go. Uh, it's the end of January this month. It's time to oh, it's time to leave that fuck. behind us. Yeah, uh, new beginnings. We'll see what the groundhog has to say for a f in a few days. And uh, you know, I I'm sure the one Punxsutawney thing the ground, <laughs> yeah, what Punxsutawney <laughs> Phil wants for all of you is for you to stay spooky.